Hello and welcome to Paxton Road TV. This is Paxton Road TV's flagship show, Talking Points number 48. And tonight it is about Conte, Paratici and Levy. Has anything changed at Spurs? We are joined in the house. Super special guests. As per usual, we have Mike Hotspur Hustler, Darius 3K, Sid Spurs. And joining us in the house, Jack Pitbrook from The Athletic. Good evening, gentlemen. How are we all tonight, this evening? Good. Oh, um, fingers crossed we actually have a game to watch. That's that's all I'm really hoping at the moment. <laughs> we, do, we do need to talk football at some point in our lives with Spurs and then games getting called off left, right and centre. So we do have to hope that tomorrow's game does go on. Before we start, though, if you are new to the channel, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching live, hit the like button, all the rest of that stuff. If you want to get your questions in for any of the panel, get your super chats in, get them in so we can uh, answer the, the, the panel on their opinion. So, right then, guys, the topic, as we've talked about, let's just get that back up so we can all see for everybody. Conce, Paratici, and Levy. Has anything changed at Spurs? Um, Let's start with you, Mike. So, it's fair, safe to say the team... <laughs> you like that one, didn't you? It's safe to say under um, Nuno, the team weren't doing too well. Um, Conte's coming, you know, in the summertime, has approached didn't take the job, has now come in in the last two and a half months. For you, what has changed at Spurs in that period of time since, obviously, the, the Nuna? Has anything changed from Mourinho's days? <laughs> what a question this is. Um, has anything changed since Mourinho's days? I think I think there has, insofar as um, we have got a director of football um, uh, within the club, which... From if my memory serves me right, and I have got memory blank, but I don't think he was around when Mourinho was around, and we didn't have a, a director of football uh, during sort of Jose's uh, tenure. Um, I think having a director of football in is the right thing for the football club. I, I think it's, I think it's a, quite a big change in in. I suppose in direction of of where we were to where we want to go to. I, I think. I think Levy, um, I, well, I can't say he has let the the reins loose, but I'm I'm guessing that the only reason you bring in a director of football is uh, from Daniel's perspective would be to to sort of let that director of football run things um, on the football side, and he concentrates on the business side, which I'm sure everyone here, even the viewers, etc., would probably agree that. Daniel as a businessman and and what he's doing with Spurs from where he took over the club to where he is now as a business it's it's, it's great we we're we're going in the direction that he wants to I suppose build us to um, but football decisions etc has has been sort of left wanting at times but I. I think it's too early to say has there been any changes in the club. Um, I think from well, Pratichi only came in sort of early, well, early summer, um, and I think he still probably needs he needs at least a season to to get his feet under the table. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that need to happen at Tottenham, um, which isn't gonna which isn't gonna happen within a season. So, from from the director, well, from his perspective as director of football, I, I think. I think he just needs time, and as I say, it's going to take more than what six months to 
to sort of embed what he wants. Um, I'm sure himself uh, and Daniel Levy have a vision, have a plan of where they want Tottenham to go to uh, on the on the football side of things. But Rome wasn't built in a day. I don't know. We can now argue that we've been waiting for this for I don't know twenty odd years or whatever it is when Levy took over. But I think him appointing Paratici's is certainly the right the right step, the right direction to take. It, I think you just need to give Paratici a little bit of time just to get his feet under the table properly. And I think after a season or so, we'll we'll start to see changes that we're all hoping for. Okay. Um, Jack, thank you for joining us here at Paxton. Uh, great to have you. Um, do you see anything different from Mourinho's tenure to Conte's tenure in that period of time, as Mike said, we gained a, a, a he's now, I think his title is managing director of football. Uh, yeah. I think he joined July the 1st. Um, but what do you see as the main differences since that appointment and since Conte's come in, if anything? Well, the, well thanks very much for having me. Really pleased to be on. The main difference really is that Tottenham now have one of the best managers in the world. I mean, that's what yeah. Daniel Levy <laughs> thought he got when he appointed Mourinho. But of course, you know, that in November 2019, that was no longer true of Mourinho. Like anyone who'd followed his time back at Chelsea, his time at Man United, knew that this guy was no longer one of the best in the world. Conte is one of the best in the world. Like he's proved that at Juve, at Chelsea, at Inter. Um, he, in a sense, like Conte really is the manager that Levy thought he was appointing when he appointed Mourinho uh, two and a bit years ago. So that is the big difference. And I think that is more important than Paratici being there or the, or the players or whatever. Will that be clear on the pitch? Well, you know, we'll have to wait and see because these, as Mike said, these things do take a while. Yeah, and and I guess you know we're impatient as fans. I think we're all impatient. You know, he's, if you actually think about it, Conte's been in the position just over two and a half months. Paratici has had one transfer window and half a transfer window so far. Um, so again, to judge them on on this time scale, I don't think it's right personally, but we do need to give them a time. But again, has there been enough done? The question I'll ask you, Darius, I'll come to you. What improvements then in the style of play have you seen? Has there been enough improvements in the style of play since Conte's been here? From let's, We can almost discount the Nuno, and I think we can discount the Nuno because I don't think Nuno's on the same sort of level as someone like Conte. Jose mm. Mourinho is, in my opinion. Jose mm. Mourinho might not be at the same um, time scale. What I mean by that, his best days have gone, but he's certainly still in that br bracket of world-class managers. Have you seen enough improvement in the style of play to think, right, going forward, there's enough in this for Conte to say, yep, yeah, or for you to say that Conte's made an improvement to the squad? Um, it's it's not just the style of play. I think the style of play is one thing, obviously. Um, I was always saying from when Nuno joined and it, it was sort of rumoured that, that it was wanted a 4-3-3 to be played. I always saw that our squad sort of suited a three at the back, obviously with with Reggion coming in and and at the at the time we did have players like Walker Peters who I thought would be a suitable right wing back. There was there was a, a thought in me that we we actually could play a three at the back and and actually do quite a good job. Obviously with Kane and Son and and what they did in that season um, with Mourinho, obviously as a partnership and Son was obviously on the left, but they still combined how many times to to score and assist for each other. I just thought that. Sort of a three-five-two covers all areas on the pitch and and sort of covers any deficiencies that we did have in our team. And again, like I said, the creative midfield role and Dombley isn't a, a sort of known creative midfielder, but he has creative aspects to his game and could could have played that role if if we needed him to. So, 
for me, the style of play that Conte's brought in and, and the formation is fine. I'm, I'm absolutely happy with it. Sort of the way we the way we build attacks now is very patient, but we can also sort of be very sharp in in, in our balls forward, sort of playing the ball forward. But it isn't just the style of play for me. It's the sort of how he's improved players that aren't that we that we don't know or that we already know are, are, are incredible and, and great players. He's improved players that some of us have doubted for for a long time now, and a lot of a lot of called for their heads as well. I mean. For me, the main one's Harry Winks. I, I would never, ever, ever thought in my life that I would actually sort of want Harry Winks to come on the pitch again for Tottenham. I, I was almost writing him off. He, I've, ne- I've never ever seen Harry Winks make a progressive pass of in the past two years that he's been playing. And ever since sort of Conte has come in, it's sort of like he's so clear with his instructions and, and what he wants from his players and his team that the players can can just get on with their jobs and, and their roles and, and do what they need to do. And again, players like Lucas, who with Nuno weren't, sort of getting any goals and assists and still were playing well and working hard but now Conte you can clearly see the Conte said you need to play the ball forward try and play a ball into space look for the runs of your players and it's it's benefited us and it's benefited those players and they look a lot better now when you have the stats to back it but you can also have the sort of the visual and the eye test and, and you can watch the performances and, and notice who's who's improved as well so again skips another example I even think Reguilon's improved in Session as well so there's loads of examples of of players who looked like they were stagnant in their progression and, and their ability, but Conte seemed to to get another level out of them. So if you can bring in players who are of of a better quality and a, and a higher level, who what's to say that he can't get even better um, better quality and better levels out of those players? And that just raises the level of everybody else around us as well with, with competition and squad. So it's what he does with players and and also the system as well that he has played, which which helps us. So I'm, I'm before I come to you, Sid, I'm obviously very happy when we signed Conte two and a half months ago. Um, knowing that he is a serial winner, five league titles out of the last six years. Um, it's going to sound a bit strange, but I still expect to see more. I know given the level of players that we have in our squad is not the level that he probably expected. I think even he was surprised when he come in. Do you think that Antonio should be getting more out of these players, even though you know, we know that they're not quite at the level that he wants them to be. We we vilified Jose for when he had the majority of these players there. There's one or two that have obviously gone and one or two that have come in since that time. But, but, is there enough what you've seen, Sid, to, to suggest to you that Conte has made significant improvement in how these guys are playing? I think before he came in, I think the stats said it all, didn't they, in terms of um, how much running they were doing on the pitch. And as soon as Conte came in, it was like 10 times a lot more. And we became, from going bottom of kilometres on the pitch to becoming one of the top teams of running around on the pitch. So within the first week or two he was there, he's obviously realised or he's seen the fitness levels weren't good enough. And straight away, he's adapted or he's adjusted that. And every single player that he picks on game day is giving 100%. He he knows which players need to lose weight, which players need to, you know, I mean, and Dombele is one of them. He's realised I need to up his game. Deli Ali, even though he was doing it all in the summer, even now when you see him on the pitch, you still don't think he's that fit enough. Um, the players that he's got a tune out of are the standard players, the Moras, the Kane. Even Kane started off a bit sluggish, but he had Euros, didn't he? So that was the excuse. But slowly but surely, they all get in fitness and I, I personally think from what I saw last season and what I'm seeing this season under Conte, there is improvement already. They're getting a lot, they're covering a lot more on the pitch. 
Um, I still think, you know, there's still more room for improvement, but with time, with his training methods and his philosophy, he will get everyone on the uh, same page and same fitness levels, but it's going to take a bit of time because I think he's got about five fitness instructors. So, And the problem he's got is not everyone's at the same level of fitness. And that is a big, uh, sort of a big problem for him because you can't just take them all in to one session and say, right, this is what we're all going to do. Because certain players are not to that standard. So he's got to stop it and say, well, hold on. He's on that. He mm-hmm. can't do that much. He can't do that much. But I think given the time, he, he, he will do what he wants to do. And it's just the players that he wants. Obviously, we know the players that he doesn't want and the players know themselves. They've just got to give 100% to Conte. And it's like everyone's been saying on here, he's one, and Jack said he as well, he's one of the top managers in the world. So you have to perform for the top manager in the world. Do you think, though, like the main change that I've seen since, probably since Jose's come in, is... Have, have we, as a football club, changed our philosophy in, in, in terms of the, our style of play? Because Jose Mourinho, Nuno and Conte, albeit different standard of, of, of class in managers, um, you've got two world-class managers in there and, and, and you've got Nuno, who, no disrespect to him, but the Tottenham way of football, as, as young as I've, or from the moment I've always sort of... Um, support Spurs has always been the attacking way and and when you look at how we've played since the Mourinho days to now that that attacking how can I say where we were always on the front foot where it was always like playing that free-flowing attacking style of football to me I think that's kind of gone and that's probably one of the major changes that I've seen maybe not since Paratici's come in so it's unfair to say well Paratici's brought in Conte and now we've changed our our, our sort of philosophy in, in terms of how we how we play football but but certainly from from when Levy appointed uh Jose to me that was very much a, it's almost like there's an intent of maybe changing the way we the way the club portrays our style of football if that makes sense mm. i don't know what I, everyone else's thoughts on that but that to me would probably be the biggest change that we've seen me, in the club over the last season or two so i I'm, let me just try and answer a little bit of that I, i've i'm always a firm believer in that you should have a, a club philosophy daniel levy came out before i think it was before nuno's appointment after the jose debacle and basically said we want to have this style of play we want to get back to the dna of spurs the attacking style of play but you have to have a philosophy behind it. The managers that have come in don't necessarily support that philosophy. So it, it, for me, it should be the they should set that. That's the that's that that whole philosophy of the club. What do we want to be? Do we want to be an attacking style of club? Do we want to be you know uh, possession based football? What do we want to be? And then you build your infrastructure around that. What I mean by that is your players, your manager, your coaching staff, etc. I'm not quite sure if. At the moment, we're bouncing between what we're trying to achieve. We had that in Poch. Mm. That was let go. We then brought in a serial winner in, in Jose to try and appease the fans. We weren't winning anything. But then we've kind of, I don't know if we've lost our way in that sort of sense in terms of a philosophy. So I'll ask Jack, do you think there is a, a clear direction for the club? Or are we just kind of almost, you know, trying to, or is the club trying to do things to appease the masses more so than anything else? 
That's a really good question. Uh, I don't think there is a overarching philosophy a, apart from whatever content or attitude you want. I think that is really what the philosophy is now. It's Antonio Conte trying to impose his style of play in the short in the short term to make Tottenham as good as they can be. I think that the I think that the idea that Tottenham have a kind of overarching philosophy which lasts longer than any season or any manager, I think hasn't really been the case since they sacked Pochettino in 2019. Obviously, Mourinho was a yeah. huge departure mm-hmm. from Pochettino. Uh, I think that you know you, we could t- everyone could tell they didn't really have an identity under Jose. And I know it was very, you know, Daniel Levy obviously came out with this famous Tottenham DNA stuff in May 2021 when he was looking for a new manager to replace Jose. But it doesn't really stand up. I mean, if you look at the things that he identified in that list, I mean, I mean, you could say that's a Tottenham DNA or you could just really say that's that's basically just what Pochettino had. That was just the Pochettino. He was just talking about Pochettino. And the fact that he could then go from that to trying to bring back Pochettino, failing, trying to get Conte, failing, getting Nuno, who is the complete opposite of that. And as much as I admire Nuno as a man, I think he's a really decent, honourable guy. Football-wise, Nuno's just Mourinho football repackaged. So for him to come out with all that stuff about Tottenham DNA and then appoint Nuno and then sack Nuno and go for Conte, who's a different style altogether, just shows there is no overarching philosophy at play here. There's just Daniel Levy reacting and making decisions and Paratici trying to get the best people in for the club. And I'm not saying it won't work because you don't, you know, look at Chelsea. Like Chelsea don't have an overarching philosophy. Their philosophy is just whoever the manager they have at that given moment. And they, you know, they obviously spend more money than Tottenham. They've got better players than Tottenham in the main, but they do win things and it has worked for them. But I do feel like Tottenham are kind of closer to Chelsea really in terms of what they're trying to do rather than, having a big long-term philosophy because I think, frankly, that's been out the window for a few years now. Yeah, and I, I think with, if you take Chelsea as the example, I think Chelsea have, in my opinion, I think they have a philosophy, but I don't think it's based around a style of football. It's based around success. I think their philosophy yeah. is based around, we want to win as many trophies of the big trophies in yes. the world and we're going to put together whatever needs to be done. And if that manager doesn't achieve that with it in, and even if he does achieve that, they're still going to refresh that process. And you've seen a number of managers that have gone through Chelsea. Us ourselves as Spurs fans have seen a number of managers. But Chelsea's philosophy has been built on the success and continued success with continued spending. So that's where I think they're different to us. From Spurs' perspective, I think it's important that we get some sort of philosophy. I think it's important that we decide what we are as a club, what we are as a as a team, so you can try and build the pieces. Because I saw in the summertime when we looked at the players that we were bringing in, the likes of Brian Hill, we had the Emersons, we had all of a very young age. Is that going to be the same thing that, you know, Conte is going to want? Is he going to be ready-made players? Is he here for a building process in terms of a long-term? Darius, how do you see that long-term process for Conte? Um, I don't think Conte really cares about sort of what players are coming through, who sort of is potentially going to be a star and whatever. I just think, like you said, and like Jack said, Conte is sort of of the mould of Chelsea. He just wants to win and he, he just needs what he needs to win. And if you give it to him, the sort of history shows that he will deliver what, what you want and that is trophies. It's just, for me, there's a problem with, with, with Tottenham. There's a problem and of not really wanting or not knowing what they actually want. And I actually sort of would go back to even way before Poch and, and look at all the managers before that. And it wasn't really a, a clear philosophy following 
any of those managers up until Pochettino came in and sort of started again and, and, and tore everything up. So for me, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing to sort of go from Poch to a different manager, but I could clearly see that there was options, sort of managers like Eric Ten Hag, who would have been a more suitable option to, to follow on from the philosophy from Poch. I think it was a bit of desperation with, with Mourinho coming in um, and obviously with Nuno coming in again, I think that was also just letting Paratici make maybe make the the final decision in that sense. But what we've got now is 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 could be very successful. It's just it it's not a, a long term sort of plan, and I don't know if Daniel Levy is going to sort of open up enough of his pockets to to allow Conte to to have the squad that he needs to win. And you might not, you might not actually need as many players as you think. To be honest, I do think that it's sort of just addressing serious areas that that is so important to a system for Conte. For example, and I don't really see why everybody gets onto Emerson because he wasn't a Conte signing. He, he was bought when Nuno was in charge. So he wasn't bought for Antonio Conte. So if you get a right wing back who is of a of a quality that is going to create a lot of chances, is going to be sort of very fast in the basically in the style of Hakimi, like Inter did. They got, they got Conte Hakimi, who was the ideal wing back for him, and he flourished. And you just need to sort of buy the right players for the system, as opposed to maybe even spend the 70, 80 millions on, on big name players. You don't oh. actually need to do that. It's Conte's proven, again, with Inter, bringing in players like Ashley Young and Alexis Sanchez. He can work with those players. And, and again, with that league, it's a lot easier. But again, you just have to sort of accommodate to the league that you're in. So with the Premier League, you bring in sort of bigger, stronger players. An example, Dusan Vlavic, I think would, would fit into the team seamlessly with Conte because of his stature and because he will be able to suit the Premier League and because he will play in a style that Conte wants to play. So it's not necessarily the biggest names. It's just fitting the system and, and actually maybe spending more money on potentially like a right wing back who's going to be ideal for Conte's system as opposed to maybe a big name striker or a big name midfielder who might not necessarily be the perfect player for for Conte's for Conte's system. So, so let's try and end this last bit of the the, the, the section of the show in terms of the the Conte side. And I'll just start to sit this, and then obviously any response from yourself, Mike, as well. Um, Conte said no in the summertime um, to the job, forgetting the amount of money he's then been offered to take the job. What do you think the message was from the board to convince him to take the Spurs job? We've had this discussion before, only and for him to turn it in, turn it down in the summer. I think I personally didn't think he wanted the job in the first place. Um, and whether you know the little bit of truth that he said that it was too soon to leave into Milan and it was too soon to get another job, he still had into Milan. What happened there? And it was all in the back of his head, and he didn't want to go straight into a job because he he wanted to get over that incident kind of thing. I think that might have a little bit to do with it. But also, he probably looked at what was happening at Spurs and I think he probably thought, not right now, let me see what happens. And then we've gone back in for him after what happened with Nuno. But I think that second time round, I think they've sat down. He has to have sat down and had a conversation. And somewhere along the lines, the transfer or the players must have come into it because Daniel Levy must have known what he's done at Inter Milan, what he's done at Chelsea. Not everyone thinks that he spends loads and loads of money, but actually he didn't. He hasn't spent that much money at Inter Milan, nor Chelsea. He's not spent like four or five hundred million. I think he spent about a hundred and something million at each His club. His net spend has been pretty good. He just yeah. he just got players that would fit him. I mean, he wanted Hakimi, he wanted Lukaku, and and the Inter board said, okay, you're going to get him, yeah. and if you win for us, 
it'll be worth it. And look what happened. I mean, they still made a profit on him and have bought a player in Jacko who who does the same role. So even if, if like you say, you bring in the big players, if you can turn a profit on these players as well, if they if they live up to the the nature and, and the fashion that you want them to live up to, then it's not actually a risk because Hakimi was always going to be a, a, an elite right wing back. Even if you buy him for 40 million, you know you're probably going to be able to turn a profit and you will improve players like that. So it's, mm. it doesn't even seem like a risk to me if you, if you buy the right players with the right character profile for him. So there's this comment from Simply Ace here. Conte wants players that are ready to step up and win trophies. If he does not get what he needs, he will leave and then we are in massive trouble and it will get ugly. What do you think was said then, Mike, to get Conte to stay apart from the 20 million? A year, potentially. <laughs> I don't know if he's on that. Just surmising. Um, I, I, I think it is a bit of a mixture of everything. I think maybe that him walking into the Tottenham job may have been a bit too soon, just after he's left um, the Stinner into Milan. Um, you could argue maybe uh, first of all we didn't offer him enough. Maybe there might have been a. And I think this is probably, I think this might largely boil down to uh, or play a huge factor in it is what was going on with Son and Kane at the time that we approached him. I think their, their sort of careers and or whether Kane was going, whether he was staying, I think that may have played a large part. Um, and I think he probably didn't have the assurances at the time that we went in for him or discussed like the, the job with him. I don't think that the assurances could be provided um, that that perhaps Conte may have wanted. I mean, you, you're going to want to keep your best two players if you're going to join the club. And if if Spurs can't sort of provide the assurances that he was seeking that we would keep hold of him no matter what, then maybe the 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 the, the job, the task at hand, might not have might not have suited him i mean it's not gonna it's put it this way when we approached him in the summer whenever that might have been um it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out that it's going to be a big job that he's got on his hands um and it's not exactly going to be a, a sort of a walk in the park in terms of here you go there's a few hundred million for you to go and spend on what you need name your price we'll go and get we'll name the players don't worry about the price we'll We'll, we'll get them in house. Like he would have done at Chelsea, into Milan to a certain extent. I know the net spend hasn't been that bad, but I think he didn't he offset some of the players against the purchase that he brought in. But uh, yeah, I think it's gonna. And it, what the thing is, it's always gonna be one of them whereby us fans are just gonna always surmise because we're never gonna get to the bottom of it unless Conte brings out a book when he's retired or later in his managerial career where he's done what he wants to do in a game. And he thinks. I'll write a book about my uh, about my career as a as a as a professional football manager as such. But yeah, I think I think it's a, a case of a bit of everything. Um, okay. I don't think there's anything in particular. I think yeah, I think well, it's well, let's. Sorry to interrupt. Let's let's because we we don't spend a long time on that one. I didn't think we spent, but that's 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 a amount of stuff we've got to talk about. Let's move on to Paratici now. Um, Paratici came out and have got the can't quite give a quote, but he said on Conte's appointment, he believes the club are in a position to win trophies. So, Jack, following Antonio's arrival, what have you seen from the managing directors in terms of his role? What have you seen to support that, I guess, statement, that theory from him? What's he done? Well, it's. I think it's too early to tell. Um, I think 
the first thing he did was oversee the the sort of second phase of the managerial process, which I think it's fair to say went very badly. Um, he decided not to appoint Fonseca, um, which might well have been the right choice. I don't know. Um, we'll never know. Uh, he then tried to appoint Gattuso, which obviously went went very wrong. And I think he really had his fingers burnt with that one. Uh, then they spent a few weeks deciding what to do next and ended up with Nuno, which was clearly a waste of money and time. Um, even though, you know, perhaps you might well say they didn't have many other options at that point, but uh, the fact that they ended up having to appoint Nuno just before the start of preseason was clearly a complete shambles. So that counts against him. Uh, the transfer window in the summer, well, Let's wait and see on that one. I think Romero is a good player. I think Brian Gill might be a good player. Uh, not that impressed with Gallini. Um, Emerson Royale is probably a good player for a different manager. Uh, you know, obviously, they didn't know Conte was coming in at that point, so you can't really blame them for getting in a more defensively minded right back. Uh, Pat Matasar might turn out to be a great player. We'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, pretty mixed bag in the summer. Didn't have a huge amount of money to play with, we should say. Uh, and then... So really, I think it's it's kind of too early to tell. You know, it might be that this season, you know, Tottenham could end up in fourth, in which case people will say, oh, Pratchett's fantastic. He's got them back into fourth. Although how much that's to do with his actual decisions is open to debate. But I think really he's going to have to be judged on this window and the summer window. You know, Tottenham already started to think about the summer window. I think they accept that it's going to be very difficult this month to get in top players because it always is in January. But if they can get, you know, we all know that Tottenham is still, whatever happens this month, Tottenham is still three or four players away from being a complete team. If they can get those three or four guys in the summer, and if they're ready to go in and impress quickly, like Romero, Mm. rather than being maybe a bit less convincing like the other guys, then Perestri would have been a success. But right now, I'd say it's all still up in the air. Okay. How long do you think, how long, Sid, how, how long do you re-give? Do we give him this window and the summer window to see if his credentials are the case? Because when he was appointed, a lot of cynics were saying that it was almost like a, a shield for to be placed in between Daniel Levy and, and decision-making. I'm not quite sure from that cynical point of view. I think there is definitely a role. I was screaming out for that. We wanted you know, someone who was going to make footballing decisions as opposed to the commercial decisions, which Daniel Levy is very good at. Football side of things, maybe not so good at. But that doesn't necessarily go down to him. I don't know who f- has the final say. There's a lot of people involved with the, the transfers, a lot of people in the scouting network. Steve Hitchin's been there for a number of years. Um, how long do we give Paratici, Paratici to get this right? So he's, he's obviously we had the summer window where he was just new into the job. So sort of you can allow him that one. This window, he's already been given a list by Conte. Conte's already told him the kind of players that he wants and he knows the kind of players that Conte wants because they worked at Milan together as well. So um, he knows. For me, this window and summer window are massive because, like Jack said, if we if we want to progress, we're four-odd players short. Um, we need to get rid of certain players, but we're about four or five players short of trying to get up top four challenging, trying to get into Champions League spot. And I, I, I think that the list he's got or given, it must be longer than my arm because the amount of players Conte must have told him, I want him, I want him, I want him. 
at some point he's going to have to deliver because if he doesn't deliver anyone this window, Traore is not somebody, to be fair, that a lot of Spurs fans want. It might be a quick fix kind of thing. Um, but I personally don't even think he's on top of Conte's list, even though everyone's saying he's top of their list. I think he's just limited to having him because he's only 20 million or potential loan deal with buying in the summer. However, summer, if we get one or two players now, good. If we, And then we go into the summer transfer market and we don't move players out. And most importantly, if we don't get players in in the summer, then people will start looking at Paratici and saying, wait, what are you doing? You've had now almost three windows to get top, top-notch quality players into the club. I know Daniel Levy is going to be limiting him somewhere along the lines. But if you can't get your 100 million, 75 million pound player, then there's other players on that list which he has to then go out and try and get. Everyone's got a preferred number one choice, but you need to have a second and a third choice if possible. And he has to then try and do whatever he can to get these players because Conte will tell him, I want this player. So, so, so I'll add to that. Well, I was just, sorry, Mike. I was just, just, and you can answer the point if you want. We saw in the summer there was all this, and again, I saw when you go onto social media, everybody's up and down with it. Paratici was was notoriously involved with four, five, six, seven transfers per position, and everybody's saying, "How can he do that? That's his style." But he did that when he was at Juve. He's done that previously. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case this window. Has something changed in terms of the way he's going about his business? Has it had to change because he's now at Spurs? And if that's the case, what what can he what what are we like to see this month? What are we like to see this month from transfers? I I think I've said it. Uh, his limitations have changed. Daniel Levy has told him you ain't gonna get pockets loads of money that you got at Juventus, Inter Milan, and Chelsea. I ain't gonna give you that much money because Joe Lewis is doing whatever he's doing, and I ain't gonna give you that. So he's now looking at not financing big deals so he's got sort of like from shopping in Harrods he's got now start shopping in not Primark not Primark no but what I'm saying is from Harrods he's now probably looking at John Lewis kind of stuff you know what I mean from high end to sort of couple of down couple of notches down because he, he's not going to get them kind of players and the players that we're looking at the Vladovic's and people like that you know that bigger clubs are going to come in and just say, right, there you go, extra 20 million. Thank you very much. So he, he's limited. But there's still plenty of sort of options in, in the free market with, with a director of football who's renowned for, for sort of shopping in that market. I, I do think there are opportunities to be taken. It's just making that right decision and, and almost maybe not expecting the big names all the time. And I don't think yeah. there's a problem with, with, with not bringing in big names. I think that yeah. you could... Have a right where you can be you can be the team that that makes the big names that gives the people the chance and sell them on for a profit and and work on that model. It's not to say that you're a smaller club in any sense. It's just Tottenham Hotspur don't have the pool that these big clubs have that mm. that that we want to think that we we have. And it's not any sort of slight on Tottenham. It's just truth and facts. Man United's, Man City's, Chelsea's, even teams that aren't doing as well like like Juventus at the moment, AC Milan who weren't doing very well at the moment will always still be able to attract big name players because of the history of their club and unfortunately because we don't have a lot of recent history we have to operate in a different market there's not a problem with that it's just like you said and like Sam said the infrastructure has to be good enough so that you actually can find and, and locate these players before again the big clubs do or before like you know all the Dortmunds and Ajaxes of the world do that so 
it's just being smart in the market. I think Tottenham haven't been smart. I think Ndombele, again, you could look at that and say that was probably a rushed or a bit of a decision made after getting into the Champions League final. Sort of no, no signings made. You just need to get a big name in. I just think that Spurs need to be a bit smarter in the market and, and shop for players who, who could actually have an impact but also have value. So if you don't work out, you, you can sort of, as bad as it sounds, just sort of flip them for a profit and, and maybe try again. It sounds bad, but a lot of teams look in that way. Chelsea, again, they get their money from from building an academy that's good enough to sell those players. Mark Guehi, who never played for the Chelsea team, was sold for about 25 million. So... I mean, there's, there's ways to make money in the market as, a, as opposed to just sort of selling and, and, and not just, you know, buying the best players. But you can't just judge... Uh, for Paratici coming in, you can't just judge him on one specific area, oh, are you? Of course you can't not, just be no. judging him on no. transfers because I think the issues at Spurs are much bigger than, than that. Like, first of all, he's, I think he's got to attack the mentality of the club, change the mentality completely because... Because we're not a winning, we haven't got that winning mentality. So, so for me, that would be the first thing: change the mentality of the club. I think the right, we've got the right manager to change that though. Now, I think we've got definitely. the right football director. So I'll, 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 I'll ask the question: Is that the job of the the managing director yeah. of football to change the mentality, or is it higher up than that, or is it the manager? I, 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 I'm not, I'm not quite sure if it's just one person's, it's no, in one person's remit to do that. No, but he sets the tone, doesn't he? You set the tone at the, the director of football. Surely sets the tone from up above, and then everything else. That it's like a domino effect. If you set the mentality, you want a winning mentality at the club. You, you set like a domino effect where that just that sort of um, it, you you breed it into within the club, and that's why I think with Paratici, you can't just judge him on a transfer window. It's more to a director of football than that. I mean, first of all, you you could look at. The recruitment over the years, I, I think our recruitment probably needs to change, and he needs to stamp his authority on that and and change how we, how, like our scouting, our our recruitment process. That all needs to change. Then you could look at our academy. Which how many how many players can we, off the top of our heads, name that's come out of the academy who are who are as good as what you see? You look at Chelsea's. It's like a it's like a conveyor belt, and we're we just haven't got that volume of players whereby they're of, they're of that quality that could go off and play in another premiership football team. And then Chelsea can recall them, whether it's at the end of the year, whether it's in January, whatever. And then those players like Gilmore's um, Gallagher, Gallagher, they could probably go back into Chelsea end of the season and hit the ground running. And that's, and that's the, the thing, Mike. And then even if they where, don't, you you send them on loan and they do they have a good year and you can sell them for a very, very good price. Good money, yeah. But this is where I think you can't just judge Paratici on the transfer window. The transfer window is a part of it, but but he needs to change. He needs to breed a different mentality into this club. He needs to change recruitment, the, the scouting network. The, so, so he needs to look ask, at the let academy. Let me ask etc. a question then. Let me answer that, that question for Jack as well to answer. Um, what else is on the roles and responsibilities of Paratici? Mike's mentioned about, you know, the academy. We've talked about players transfer. His title is managing director of football. That's quite a, a broad ranging title. What else does he need to be involved in? Does he need to do to get the success that's required at Spurs? Yeah, you're right. It is a really big job title. I think the idea really was that Daniel Levy would step back from the football side of the club and let Paratici run the whole football side of the club. That's how it was sold to Paratici when they agreed to get him in back in sort of May, June of last year. 
Um, and I do think Levy's been good to his word. Like Levy, you know, he used to, when Jose was manager, Levy would be at the, at the training ground all the time talking to him. That hasn't been the case so much uh, this season. Paratici is really, all the players understand that Paratici is in charge at the training ground. If they've got an issue, they go to him rather than to Levy. Uh, Paratici would be the one who has the day to day relationship with Nuno and now with Conte. So, in, in obviously, Levy still has an involvement. You know, Levy was it was very Levy was very much involved in the decision to replace Nuno with Conte, for example. Uh, Levy would have final sign off on transfers, for example, but and how much how much money there is to spend. But in terms of day to day operations, it is all it is all down to Paratici. How Paratici can actually raise the standards, which is what people are talking about. I mean, that is a very easy thing to say and a very difficult thing to do in practice. I know that when they got him in, there were hope that he could drive what they call you know like Juventus standards you know Juventus obviously won the lot when Paratici was there and people hope that he could kind of bring some of that sort of Juventus best practice professionalism efficiency modern methods to Tottenham although as ever with this kind of thing you know it's uh, the proof will be in the pudding won't it because we won't know really I think for a year or two whether there has been that rise in standards under Paratici yeah. that everyone was hoping for yeah yeah, yeah so do you see do you what do you think Paratici sees um so far? Does he if he was if he was him, how would you mark so far as being in charge of Spurs? And the reason I say that is because we're all getting this, oh well, you know, we've got into this part of the transfer window. It looks like Daniel Levy's not backing him. Paratici he's not getting what he wants, he's not able to do this. How do you think he sees it? Do you think you know it's it is a case as what we've talked about? It's got to be a time thing, or are there certain things that when he was assured the job? that he's expecting to see happen now. And I'm saying this about the transfer window specifically in terms of this January transfer window, because I think we all know we need players, but same old, same old at the moment in time. What do you think Crouchy's thinking? You know what? I think he's probably walking to that club knowing what, what needed to be done. And we always, everyone guesses what's going on, what's he doing, whatever. Nobody knows what he's actually doing behind the scenes. We just listen to what people are saying. We listen to social media, what the papers are saying. We don't actually know on a day-to-day -day basis what he's doing. For all we know, everything what Jack, Mike and you have said, he might have already had the ball rolling on that. He might have already all started going and is progressing slowly. But we don't know that because we're too busy concentrating on getting players out of the club, getting new transfers in, or you haven't bought a player for this time, you haven't bought a player for that time. January is always a hard, hard window to get the players in. Now, the calibre and the type of players Conte wants, he's probably not going to be able to get that in this window because a lot and of... Conte's clubs... alluded to that. Conte said he's yeah. it's expected to be a hard window, which shows to me he's not expecting loads, yeah. but I do think he's expecting something. Oh, he's ex yeah. I mean, that's it. The, the, the main, main top targets, right, he, I don't think he's going to be able to get... No matter how good you are, it can be Paratici or anyone else. This window is even for the top, top uh, directors, footballs, or whoever, it's hard to get a, a player in. However, Conte will have given him a list. And I'm sure Conte has said to him, I don't care who you get. I need at least two players into this club that I can, fresh blood that can come into this club. And like Jack said, if they can come in on the ground, straight in and just do what they got to do and gel with the players and get the team coasting. I mean, we're four games in hand over 
West Ham, right? And we're three odd points behind them. So if we win, potentially, with them extra two players, we're already gaining momentum and we just got to push on. So I think personally, deep down, I think Paratici is doing all he can, right? Uh, the phone companies are absolutely loving him, obviously, because he's always on his phone. So he, he, he's doing his hardest. Uh, and like I said, I think, I don't think we're going to have an empty window. I think something will happen, whether we get a loan or two play or buy someone. But I think we will get one or two players in because Conte will not be happy if we don't get anyone. And slowly but surely, I think Paratici is doing something. He's having an effect somewhere in that club. It's just that we don't know what... Because everyone's looking at the negatives. Negatives are, he's not bought anyone. And like Mike said, his job is not just to buy players. There's other stuff going on that he needs to concentrate on, develop, and you know, maintain and take it further. So, to, to be fair, but, I, I I don't know, I don't want him to make transfer mistakes like we've made in the past. We went yes. through a list of players that we talked about in the last show, and there was a thirty odd players, that, and we we had, we had the likes of Clinton and G, George and Kudu, Gedson Fernandez on the list. You know what I mean? Vincent Janssen, players like that who should be nowhere near the Spurs squad, but we're bought. So there's been mistakes made. I'm hoping that mistakes are rectified. And if that means that we choose players wisely and we don't necessarily go for this, or we need to get players, we need to get players. I'm happy for that. However, if Conte comes out and says certain things in the press and that's not given to him because, you know, he's very honest in what he does and he doesn't hold back necessarily in what he says in the press, which is good and bad, has its positives and it has its negatives. But if he comes out and says something, surely... You know, he has to be backed in that sense, which moves us nicely into the last section of the show, which will be about the man, the myth, the legend himself, uh, Daniel Levy. And I'll start with you, Darius. Um, is this a, is this a case of same old, same old, or has things changed sufficiently that you've seen to make you believe that Spurs are heading in a better direction in terms of transfers? Well, if it was in the court of law and you had to sort of, supply evidence it wouldn't really be very it wouldn't look very good for the people who think there has been change because normally we are known to to sort of leave things very late and and, and shop in in markets that maybe we don't have to always necessarily go for maybe go for the second and third choices but at the same time i kind of feel like i am being a little bit silly to make that decision until the until the end of the window because we all knew january was going to be tough and as much as I do want to see three or four players come in, I always will, and I always will admit, and I always will hold my hands up and say, if there is, a, not a guarantee, but if you know that you can get better players in the summer, better quality for a better price, there's no point in rushing your dealings. There's no sort of reason to, to shop just because you need players in that yeah. position. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And given that, the only reason why I'm so sort of a bit, a bit nervous and thinking, okay, we do need to get at least two players, maybe three, in January is because of the opportunity that the league has presented to us and, and sort of the teams that are around us and the priorities that they might have and and the opportunity to actually sneak into fourth place. But really and truly, we looked at the start of the season, I don't think any of us even thought we were going to get into sixth place. So to say that we're, what, I know four games behind, but four games in hand with Leicester, Burnley, um, can't really remember the other two, sorry, off the top of my head, but games that I expect us to win, um, I really do, um, Arsenal, another one, um, I really do expect us to sort of, be challenging for that top four and not being in Europe anymore. And Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, yet Chelsea potentially could could drop into that race. Arsenal, again, are the only team around us um, who aren't playing more than two games a week. I know Man U 
are in the Champions League and when West Ham are in Europa League. So the opportunity for you for you to bring in a couple of players to upgrade your team is there and, and you can almost guarantee top four. So then in the summer, that market is going to be a lot easier to, to shop in when you can offer that sort of the players' Champions League football. But at the same time, it's very hard for me to make any sort of judgment, like we've all said, so early on into these these guys' tenure. And I know Le- Levy's been here a long time and nothing's really changed with him. But at the same time, I have sort of seen a lot more delegation go to Paratici. And I do want to see sort of after this window and after summer, how much he's actually been given, because I think that'll be a real sort of, after this summer gone, I think we'll really be able to see sort of how much money and how much he's actually going to back his manager and his, and his director of football. Because I do think he does have the final decision. That is one thing I always hold is that he will have the final say, even if Paratici says, I've agreed this deal. I think Levy will always be like, yeah, I need to double check that. And I guess that will never change. So so, so I'll ask Mike, what, what do you think Enoch and the board have to do to convince the fans that things have changed? And if you just, and, I, what, and, I, and a lot of people say spend money. I was going to say the easiest. I'm thing not. To say I'm not. I'm. I, I, I'm not convinced that just spending money is what's going to solve Spurs's problems. Because as I said, we've spent money. We need uh, an infrastructure change, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That that infrastructure change is what's going to at least give us the building blocks to have permanent. Change. We need a vision. That's the problem. I think that's what 100, Spurs lack. One hundred percent. Lack a vision. So, what, like... so, so is that is that the main thing you think that Daniel Levy needs to put in in place? I think. I think it's one of the main reasons, uh, one of the main things he needs to do is put a vi- like us Spurs fans are always second guessing Daniel Levy. We don't know, we don't know really what what's going on in his mind. Um, okay, yeah, he might he might give out the odd interview here, but the timing of the interviews, you could argue, is always seems to be around when he's when he's uh, getting a bit of flack. But I think he needs to set a clear vision of of where he sees. Tottenham and the direction he wants to take Tottenham, not not off the pitch because we know what he's doing. He's buying. We, we can see him buying up properties and buildings and golf courses and stuff. We get that vision off the pitch. With um, you can clearly see there's something with the NFL that that he's got his mindset on. What with buying up that the golf club up in North London, etc. But on the pitch, he needs to set the vision as to where. He, what where he wants Tottenham to be, um, uh, realistically, say for the next between now and in five years' time, where well, what is his expectations for us on the pitch? Um, and then once we know the vision, I think we'd all kind of have a, a, a better understanding of the direction and how long it might take us to, to get to, to where he wants or where he thinks we should be. Um, and I think the fans might be a little bit more on board of what we're seeing on the pitch because there has been occasions where, like Ennis Mora, Morecambe, etc., where there's been lackluster sort of performances, um, and you could argue defeats as well with with Mora. But I think if if there is a clear vision, a clear direction of where we're going on the pitch, I think it, it, I think fans would be more on board of of where we are at the moment in terms of from a patient's perspective. But but going forward, it kind of sets our expectations as to what we can kind of kind of think we'll see on the pitch and how how quick we'll develop as a team, as a squad, and, and what we potentially would challenge for. Because we're all going for, oh, yeah, we, we, we can be challenging for top four. And I think 
uh, I think Sid mentioned that there's we've got three or four games over West Ham. We've actually got, from what I'm led to believe, if my if my stats are right, I, I believe we've now got five games over Chelsea. Who is four. what? We've got they four. played 22, we played 18. We can go. Are they not just played. Does that include tonight? Because I, I, I thought it's four games. But they've played tonight. Chelsea, played against Chelsea, Chelsea played yeah, they played tonight. Brighton tonight, so they probably played nineteen after Brighton. You played four games I mean, less. Twenty. Yeah. Like mm. five after, games. You're right. Five games. After yeah. Today, after five tonight. Games. After, after tonight, five games. Yeah. Five so games. five games in hand, and we're not. Yeah. How many points are we off them? We're, they're forty-six. We're thirty-three. So we're thirteen behind them at the moment. So in four games, for five games, we've won all our games. Technically. You could argue that would get there, but this is where, like, our expectations are. If we're in the next five games, we could get in top four. But, but realistically, we know that's not going to happen. But as I say, I, I think he just needs to set the vision. That will then naturally set our expectations. We'll know roughly where we are with with his vision and stuff. And uh, yeah, just like you said, and the obvious thing here would be oh. And the first answer on the top of everyone's tongue would be, well, spend some money, Evie, bring some of these top players that we want to get, that we know would, would upgrade the squad and, and help us challenge for silverware, etc. But whether that happens or not, I don't know. But that's that's what I think he probably should sort of allude to. Um, so, okay. Uh, and I, I, I definitely agree. With the vision is important. Let me ask Jack another question. Um, Jack, being a journalist, and a very good one at that, if you had... <laughs> <laughs> if you had one question to ask Daniel Levy about the situation, the circumstances, what 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 would it be that you would ask him? It's a good good question. What would I ask Daniel Levy? Um, I guess I'd ask him, how much are you going all in to win right now, or are you still building for the future? Because that's really the big question I think at the moment is. Uh, you know, I, I think that it feels to me like Tottenham are just kind of going all in for now. You know, they've been building for a long time. They've had years and years of building and building and building for the future. New training ground, new stadium, Pochettino, young players, all that stuff. But it feels to me like that's not really how Tottenham are operating anymore. So I wonder if they, and I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder whether or not this summer we'll see older players coming into Tottenham rather than younger players. We'll see... You know, big salaries, short-term contracts, and just someone, to, people to get them over the line and help them to win in the short term, because that's not really been the, the Tottenham way. And even if you look at the kind of, you know, they've tried getting exciting young players, and it's not. I think they've been a bit unlucky because I think, and Don Belay obviously hasn't worked out, but he's a very talented player. Lacelso, I think, is a really good player, but he keeps getting injured. Bergwijn, I think, is a good player. But that's not quite worked. Sessignon, I think, is a good player, but that hasn't worked. So they've tried getting young, talented players in, and for whatever re a combination of reasons, and I don't, I think it's quite a complex picture. It hasn't worked. So I just wonder if this summer they might see a little bit of a change in direction and think, you know what, you know, when when Conte was at Inter, as the guys were saying earlier, it was Ashley Young, it was experienced players. It wasn't, you know, trying to get a 23-year-old who might be good in five years' time. It was getting a 29-year-old who's good right now. And it, it I mean, and if you're going to get Conte as manager, like Conte's not going to be there in four years' time. We all know that. He's only got Definitely another 18 not. months left of his contract. There's a one-year option. Maybe that'll get triggered. But he's not going to be there for the long, long, long term. Mm. 
And if you've got Conte, you might as well just try and win with Conte because whoever comes after Conte is not going to be as good as Conte. We know that. So it's only downhill after Conte. So I just wonder, with that in mind, whether we might see a little bit of a change of strategy in the transfer market this summer, get some older players in, build a team to try and get to try and win something next season and the season after. Because if you don't do that now, it's, you know, you're not going to do it in five years' time. I, agree. I think that's a really good point. What Jack yeah. makes just on sort of the and even just even slightly, I, I could you can even disagree slightly just because of look at what Inter are doing at the moment. Now, with, even with Simone and Zaghi involved, it's Conte leaves his squad in a good position, fitness wise and, and quality wise. And I even think, yes, what you're saying, the next manager that's coming is, is not going to be on his level, but I still think that the squad and, and the way that they play will still be at the level. And yeah. if you get somebody in who's maybe not obviously a significant drop off to Conte, who, who can competently operate a system that he, he has, how he, he did do with the team, you could still sort of be challenging for, for those trophies. And, and okay. And still let, have let, a good enough squad, let me just so. stop you there. I, I just want to ask this. It's just comes if, if because this is what I'm saying about the philosophy and all the vision and all the rest of it, which touched on, you've got someone like Conte has got a very specific way of playing, very specific um, vision of his football. And we know he's not going to be there for the long term, as Jack said. He's not going to be there for four or five years. He's going to potentially be there for another two years. Do we as Spurs, do as the board as Spurs, need to then decide, right, do you follow suit with a similar type of manager or... Because the players that you're going to get for Conte are going to suit what he wants to do. So mm. if we talk about players of now, that might be the 29, 30, 31, whoever they might be, might not fit in two years' time if you don't succeed. So are we just going to be doing this kind of like rebuild Chelsea-type model without success? Or is there a point where you think, right, if we get that success, how, how, do, we, how do we maintain it if Conte's not there? Well, I'll, I'll just say this and then I would like to hear what everyone else says. I just think that there's coming a point in time with, with this Tottenham team now where even after this two years, let's say this two years of Conte is gone and you look at sort of the ages of, of the players who we've kept, who, who have been there for a long time, the ones that we, we want to stay, like Larissa's, like Sons and Kings, these guys are going to be pushing north of 30 now and you're going to have to think about sort of replacing these players anyway. So for me, this is sort of like the last hurrah with this, this squad that, you can potentially try and win a trophy with them and Conte is the ideal person to do it. I think even if it doesn't work out, I think there's going to have to be a complete overhaul sooner or later with with even the main the mainstays in, in the squad just because they are getting to a point where they won't be able to play every single game at, at 33 unless their bodies are as healthy as, as they are. We know Kane's got a history of injuries. So I think there's a, there's a real, real, real big sort of inevitable rebuild happening that we won't be able to escape from coming soon. But there's still two years left in, in a lot of these, two, three years left in a lot of these players. And I think the best man to try and get a trophy out of them is, is Conte. So I just think you sort of do what Conte says at the moment. And you will have to sort of, like you said, Sam, I think come up with a new philosophy or, or a new style of, of, of play after that anyway, just because of the amount of players that I think will be going far past their prime and, and potentially even considering retirement or going off to, you know, America or, or the Middle East potentially. So I think there's a rebuild that's going to happen in the next three, four years anyway that we're going to have to deal with. Okay, I'm gonna come around and ask all of you. Then this is the final part. Then um, <laughs> I'll start with you, Sid. Um, do you think this is gonna work? Is this last chance saloon for Enoch and the board, or how much time do you give them for this next part of our history? You know what? I'm just gonna say something before I answer that one on what Darius and Jack were saying. 
you know they were saying he's only got 18 months and he's got an ex- maybe an extension for one year, right? Why why can't we, instead of that extension to the one year, why can't Daniel Levy say, you know what, I'm not going to give you one year, I'm going to give you three years because you started a project, right? I'm going to back you in the summer, you've got your players. Yes, the players are going to get older, like Darius is saying, but like Man City, like Liverpool, like uh, Chelsea, every summer I'm going to let you upgrade one or two players so constantly we're evolving, getting rid of the older players and bringing in not young players, but quality uh, quality players at a good age. So every summer, every January window, I'm just going to keep giving you extra players. You get rid of the old and we just evolve that way and I'll give you an extra contract. So we won't need to worry about a new manager because Conte might say, OK, that's a good idea. Let's do what City are doing. Let's do Liverpool. Let's do Chelsea. And every season... Your, your squad is going to keep rotating. Forget what's happened in the past, not rotating at all. So it could work that way. Uh, it's a possibility. Everyone keeps going about he's going to, one year left, he's gone. I don't know. If he's doing well, why not give him a three-year contract? But in terms of um, Enoch, I, don't, I personally don't think Daniel Levy is going anywhere soon unless somebody like Bezos or uh, Zuckerberg or whoever, whoever comes in with a stupid offer. We, Conte obviously has got something in his mind and he wants to play. So I think Conte is going to say to him, look, I signed for this club because I want to bring success. You have to give me the players. I'm not asking you for five, six hundred million every summer window. Just keep rotating me with X amount of money, hundred million or whatever, and I'll bring you the success as long as you give me the players. And if Enoch agree to that and give the money, then I can't see why it can't it can be a successful partnership because you've got the, the best manager in the world. You've got to trust that manager and trust the process and allow him to do his job. And I think it could work. Um, Jack, do you see this as a successful partnership or tri partnership, whatever you want to call it? And is this the last chance soon? Last chance soon. Last chance saloon for Enoch and the board. It's not the last chance saloon because they will still be here. You know, they're not, you know, they, Enoch and Daniel Levy own the club. And until they get offered enough money that they want to sell the club or part of the club, they will still be here. So whether Conte is a success or a failure or whether he walks or who knows, you know, any, under any circumstances, Levy will still be there. Uh, Will it be, is it a good combination? Well, I hope so. I mean, it's it, it is the he's the best manager that Levy has appointed during his twenty one years at Tottenham. He is at the top of his game, and if he can't get any, if he can't, and if Conte can't get it to work, it's not Conte's fault because we know that Conte succeeds ev- ev- everywhere else that he has worked. So I, I can't tell you that Tottenham are going to win the league or even that Tottenham will get back in the top four but they've got the best possible man to give them the best chance. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, then it will be it will be for reasons other than Conte himself. Spot on with that. Uh, Mike, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I probably echo what Jack says there. I can't see, regardless of Conte's fate, whether it's good, bad, or whatever, um, I can't see Daniel Levy going. Uh, I can't see Joe Lewis selling, unless, unless an attractive offer comes in. And when you're talking about a, a billion pound, I say club, business, franchise, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it now, uh, uh, 
finding someone or a firm in this current sort of climate that that we find ourselves in that's not going to be that's not going to be easy to to do um i mean i would have i can't remember how much spurs has valued that but we obviously we're talking in the in the billions so uh, yeah I, I yeah i echo very much what with what jack says um i think i think levy will be around for for, for some time unless okay. an attractive offer comes in unless that amazon money comes in darius final yeah. thoughts final thoughts from you um i think that there's understand i understand sort of the panic from people sort of how they think that this will never change and, and Conte won't be back. But at the same time, I also do think with a manager like Conte, a lot of things can turn quite quite quickly and, and a lot of sort of people's opinions on, on the situation, if Conte does sort of get a couple of plays in and, and sort of maybe potentially win a trophy, might might change the sort of trajectory quite, quite steeply. So I absolutely love Antonio Conte. I, I've got nothing to fault the guy at the moment. He's made a few decisions sort of with the team and maybe with the substitutions that you could you could question. But for the most part, he's turned some players that I would thought I would have thought never would have even got into the into the team squad, let alone be mainstays in the eleven. People like Ben Davis, people like Winks, even Sanchez has, has covered Romero pretty fine. Uh, he's he's got those players playing pretty much out of their skin. So I just always think if, if you could do it with them guys, you give them better players, what are what are the levels that you can reach with, with Tottenham? And you can only you can only see that happen if 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 you actually let him do that and if you actually give him the sort of tools to to allow that to happen. So I just wanna I want Conte to have a fair crack at the whip. I want him to have the players that he wants. I want him to be given enough to actually maybe challenge for what he wants to challenge for and and see what happens after that. Regardless, I think like Jack said. I don't really think anybody will blame Conte for, for what happens if it goes badly. And that's why I sort of think he's in a, a, a good position to to sort of do as good as he wants. Because he can, I think he can almost call the shots. And I think that he he's in a position to to use that power to, to maybe get a few ways. Because I think, like you said, if it goes badly with Conte, it's going to be very, very bad in within the club for the fans and just towards the board in general. So I think it's, it's, it is a last chance saloon, in my opinion, for these guys they'll still be here but there just will be no even though, rectifying it, any relationship even if it goes bad though and and spurs were to or the board were to put the club up for sale you've got to find someone like you've got to, you've, yeah no it's, do you know what i mean they, probably, like, they aren't going to go it's not even necessarily yeah they're going to go i just think that the relationship will never be able to be mended if you don't give conte a fair crack at this, at this whip because I, I, he's I proven that he is he is the guy to to do it and i think everybody has been convinced by that now and I know for a fact that after seeing Nuno and, and seeing the levels that Conte's brought in, this this man just needs the right players and he can, he can do we some should, pretty amazing things. We should maybe revisit this after the end of this window to see what people's thoughts are. Because I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, uh, vocal vocalness, if that's the right phrase, from a lot of the fans if things don't go according to plan. Uh, it's been a really good show, guys. Um, still over, well, there's 80 of you watching still. So if you're still with us, Please hit that like button now. Smash that like button. It really helps us with the channel. Really helps us to grow and it shows us your support as well. Uh, thank you all, all for the comments as well. If you again, if you are new to the channel, please, please hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell as well. Uh, Jack, uh, tell the viewers where they can find you if you would like to do that. So you can find me at Jack Pitbrook on Twitter. You can read my stuff at theathletic.com. Uh, you can hear my podcast, The View from the Lane. 
which you should be able to find easily enough. Uh, it's not just me. My colleague Charlie Eccleshare also covers Tottenham as well as many of our other writers. So there's a lot of written Tottenham content every day on The Athletic. Brilliant. And it is a really good read. So those of you who haven't had a chance to go over and check that out, really is really good. Um, and we appreciate you being on the show for us. Jamie. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Um, there's a couple more comments here. So we've got this comment here from Paul Russell. I have a horrible feeling Levy feels he can get Poch back, so he won't back any manager. Poch, though, will go to Man United. Another mess up by Levy. Uh, people saying great show. Tom Lowry, uh, let's not forget Joe Lewis is a very old man. <laughs> so I'm not sure what he's trying to That's say. He might not. Comment, though. He's, what, he's 84. So, 84, yeah. I mean... I, I, this is something I doubt. I he might, he might leave, his, he might leave all the money in his will. He might have left it all to Spurs. To who, Daniel oh. Levy? I mean, no, he's worth, I he's not. what's he worth? Four, is it 4.7 billion, I think? Something oh, like that. Give around that. Four, between 4 and 5 billion he's worth. I mean, it'd be nice if he wrote Spurs into his will and just left us a billion pounds to do as we want with the club. Not us, us the fans, but the board and stuff. And, uh, but... It's a it's a good point. That might, if anything, happened to Joe Lewis, uh, and I, obviously I, I I don't wish that at all. But if anything did happen, like what what would happen to Spurs? I does the does the does his family then take over? It's a uh, I don't I don't know what happened. It's a good question. And... It's all in that will. It's all in that will, which I'm sure none of us will ever see. Um, but as a... <laughs> no. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Darius. Thank you, Sid, and especially to uh, Mr. Jack Pickbrooks. Thank you very much for tonight. It's been great. Again, um, yeah, look forward to the game tomorrow. Leicester City, if it's still on. We haven't found anything out as yet, so we're assuming the game's still on. Um, has there been a game called off tonight? There was a game called off tonight, was it? Was it? Um, Burnley game, wasn't it? I think Burnley yeah. playing Watford. I think that got yeah. called off. But Arsenal put in an uh, offer to postpone our game tomorrow anyway. Okay. <laughs> Jack, you're being asked by Toxic Hedgehog. Is Triari coming? Not yet. Uh, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's more, I'd say it's probably, I think I'd probably give it a bigger than 50-50 chance of happening. I think it's like likelier to happen than to not happen. But they haven't done the deal yet. You know, they're, they're trying to find a way to make it work, whether that's going to be a loan with an option, perhaps. Can they, they're trying to send Matt Doherty back there. Um so they're not there yet. They're working on it, but you know, there's still a long way to go. It's only the 18th. <laughs> Some people are saying it's 18 days, 18 days too long. Um, but we're very, very impatient as Spurs fans. I, I think you've got to leave these guys until the actual end of the window. And as I said, I don't think necessarily this is going to be the major window for us. It's not going to be. But summertime is where I believe we can really judge how this relationship between these three is really going to work. Right. Mike, Darius, Sid and Jack, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and we're out.